All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. My name is John. And I'm Jack. And this week we are reviewing When the Wind Blows. And uh, this was your selection, Jack. And all I have to say is, what the fuck did you make me watch? You know, I thought <clears throat> I thought this podcast could use a little brightening, so I picked a zany feel-good comedy. Yeah, I felt so great watching this. Yeah, it really lifts up your spirits, doesn't it? <laughs> but So when, when did you first find or see this film? So I heard about it when a YouTuber I like covered it. I don't suppose you've ever heard of Rebel Taxi. I have not. Uh, well, his whole thing is like animation, usually from the either 90s or 2000s nostalgia. But he did a video on five hidden gems of animation, and this was one of them that he recommended. Hmm. He did give a warning that it was really depressing. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, you know I me, I just can't resist a good animated movie about an atomic bombing oh yeah that because that's exactly where we started with our our show mm -hmm. was another animated film about nuclear war mm -hmm. i will say when you like when i first saw this like if you look like at the cover art we have for this episode or even if you just google this film and you see the two main characters in this film you're like what kind of like third rate shitty cartoon are we watching this week? But I mean, honestly, it was such a, an interesting animation style because obviously you had the very simplistic, um, you know, cartoon aspect to it of the characters, but like every single time that, you know, you shifted perspectives from like one room of the house to another, like, the background turned into like a Wallace and Gromit set. And it just, I like every time that happened, it made me pay attention more because I was like, mm -hmm. whoa, this is kind of trippy. Yeah. The that, juxtaposition of like the 2d characters, especially that scene when he's walking down the hall in the beginning where he himself is 2d, but the walls in the background are 3d. Right. Or like when they're putting on the uh, the like paper sacks, and mm -hmm. like the the paper sacks are very much like a three dimensional kind of feeling or view, even though the characters inside of them are two dimensional. It was just the the constantly shift like it's all animated, but the constant shifting between the types of animation just you know if if the story doesn't keep you engaged just the cinematography will and that's another thing i was going to bring up how earlier in the movie when he's fucking around with the sack how it's 2d but at the end of the movie when they're crawling in their sacks it's 3d it changes styles on us right mm. Man, yeah, and 
this was this started out like really clean and beautiful looking but after the bomb everything just well went to shit like it looked like their house is trashed it looks dirty and there's no green and outside it's all black and burnt out wasteland that was something i i kind of found funny was not the whole like nuclear wasteland part of it but the you know before the bombing they're kind of what you expect to be a stereotypical like english couple from like the 60s or 70s and it's like uh the female character her name is hilda right yep hilda bog yeah hilda reminds me a lot of the character muriel from uh (laughs) courage the cowardly dog like just so completely oblivious and in her own world like here her husband is like trying to prepare for a nuclear blast and she's like don't scuff up the window sills don't use the good pillows like like not just completely unfazed by it all the cake is burning oh my god (laughs) the cake is burning the cake is burning the cake is burning and yeah i'm I'm sure there's at least a million of muriels and hildas across the british isles and which brings us to the bomb scene itself how did what did you think of it um i don't know what i was expecting from it but this it was another moment where the the constantly shifting of animation styles really grabbed my attention uh, almost to the point that I paid less attention to the fact that this is the scene that the bomb is going off um, versus like, you know, the house kind of taking on that three-dimensional look and then it like pans to like a four or five car like pile up on a highway, but it's a very like rough sketch kind of look type deal. Um, it definitely got the point across that the atomic, bomb was going off but again i think that part of the storytelling kind of took a back seat to the the shifting cinematography of it man in the graphic novel which i did not read but i really should because you know i can't read but The atomic bomb scene, the buildup is much the same, but notably he doesn't call her a stupid bitch. Um, you know, they get to the shelter. Get in the time. bunker, you stupid bitch. <laughs> they get there in time. And, you know, you hear the black. Well, in the book, the, the, there's an ent- the next two pages are just completely um, red and bright blast like it takes up entire two pages and then the next page the first couple of panels are distorted as if the heat and the force are distorting them and then the distortion gradually gets lesser and lesser as the bomb calms down 
and then it like shifts to normal just it, it, it just shows like their feet sticking out of the shelter and one of them says well then or something delightfully english right i love the prior to the blast um you know there's that radio transmission where they're like we believe this conflict escalated in the next couple of days and he's like two or three days like what conflict in the history of ever has had a two to three day like heads up well the invasion of poland the invasion I mean, of denmark they they didn't give a lot of warning <laughs> but anyways he's like i'm going to run to the store and get us uh, our two week supply of food because that's what our pamphlet says and i love the fact that he's just like going off of a local government pamphlet to do all of his his stuff um but then he comes back from the supermarket and it's like a thing of crackers um like some christmas pudding and some other miscellaneous things he's like oh there seems to have been some panic purchasing at the supermarket it's okay when this all blows over i'll do another run in a couple of weeks <laughs> like, like i it made me think of like the early days of covid i don't know if like you experienced this out in south dakota but like here in colorado people did massive amounts of like panic purchasing and it was when i saw that scene at first i'm like man you're a fucking idiot like ain't ain't gonna be shit left after an atomic blast dude like you you missed out on the prepping train but then i remembered like back to the early days of the pandemic and all the lockdowns and stuff and like going to the supermarket because it's like oh i need a single bag of rice because that's what we're cooking or we're using a recipe that needs rice for dinner tonight and we're just running low and just going there and all the shelves are empty and like not even being concerned about it, just being pissed off, just being like, God, these people are fucking stupid. And it's like, no, I I am I am this dipshit now. You know? <laughs> ah, pandemic. Good times. Good times. I found I found his care but from that perspective, I found the his character very interesting because, you know, the movie starts off with him being like in tune with like world events like he keeps up on it like when they sit down to listen to the radio it's to you know the station that does news and he's very like proper and following like governmental guidelines and all that stuff and it's like you can see he takes it seriously he keeps his eyes on the situation and like wants to be the the good British citizen, but he does like, you would think somebody who's living what I'm presuming this movie to be is in the height of the Cold War. Yeah, it, it was modern when it was released. So 1986. Okay, so we're on we're on the tail end of the Cold War at this point. <clears throat> but yeah, the but, but this dude great. is, but this dude is old enough to have lived through the height of the Cold War. And if he was genuinely concerned about it, I just it's hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that he's like, he takes all this stuff seriously, yet did zero prep work for it. 
he probably just didn't care about it until it became his problem, i.e. the news and the prime minister talking about looming atomic war. And it was, I bet it was the brochures they published because those are based on real brochures that were disseminated to the British public in the 80s. And yes, they were infamous for being contradictory and not very clear on what to do with certain things they listed. And such as, you know, painting your window and not explaining why. Yeah. I could see how that could lead to to problems. Um, But also, like, just the whole, like, painting windows. Like, you could see, like, the dude was, again, it kind of goes to, like, he's educated enough to be concerned, but not educated enough to, like, actually be smart about it. Because he, like, paints the windows and, you know, his wife's like, what are you doing this for? He's like, oh, it's the block the radiation or the you know the flash or whatever um but he doesn't know specifically like what radiation poisoning looks like as they they both experience it um one of my favorite lines in this movie besides the the cake is burning um is hilda saying like I don't see any fallouts, therefore it can't be hurting me. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> that's Oof. not how fucking radiation works. Oof, yeah. And you'd think he would know more. Like, early in the film, he says something about radiation, right? Well, he mentions Hiroshima a lot, so it's like... it. And, like, or, and then later on in the film, he's like... I remember hearing a lot of people died after Hiroshima. I don't remember why, though. But they were less prepared than us, so that's probably why. Yeah, the the like utter and complete faith in the fact that that like the government was going to be completely fine and like, oh, the there will be medical vehicles that come by any day now, you know. Um, I the, reckon the pre- Tom's will be open in a couple days. Yeah. The the perspective that I found to be super interesting was the, you know, both of these characters were kids during World War II. Um, and they portray that, like, they both share their, like, individual experiences of, like, oh, this was what my family did in the bunker during the Blitz and all that stuff. And, like, uh you know the male character he um you know we get a little side tangent with him where he's like they'll need every able-bodied man and it shows him like filling all these different roles that he sees himself being like the upright good british citizen um so for me it was interesting seeing them being like romanticizing world war ii because I'm sure, you know, the 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 British people going through the Blitz was very much that, like, stiff upper lip mentality that we've talked about before. Um, and I think these characters were pretty much equating, like, oh, a nuclear war will be just like the Blitz. Like, we'll, we'll just stick it out and the government mm-hmm. will be fine and 
you know, as long as we survive the blast, everything will go back to normal after a couple of weeks. And it's like, no, you you don't understand. Like World War Three is is going to be the end of everything. Yeah, man. And he keeps naively holding on to the hope. I, I don't even know if I could call it hope, but belief. <laughs> Excuse me, that this is going to be yet another conventional war where we have that scene where he's like, oh, I'd imagine the Americans would parachute in and take what the Russians have stolen and liberate us just like last time and blah, blah, blah. Old Montgomery. And then his his wife has to remind him that Montgomery isn't prime minister or general anymore. Also, Montgomery died 10 years before this movie premiered. But... I don't think they know. Oh that. yeah, he he also he keeps mentioning like Churchill and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like I hate to say, I hate to tell you this, man, but those days are over. Now you now you just don't know where you stand. I liked that Joseph Stalin. Oh my god! And I think they even call him like Uncle Joe at one point. That Joe Stalin is a bad egg. Yeah, these no, I don't even I don't think I'd call these people stupid by any stretch of the word. They're just naive and misinformed. Maybe ignorant would be a better, better phrase for them. Another one is in denial. Yeah. Because he keeps coming up with excuses, each more lame than the last, about why they're experiencing what they're experiencing. And then he outright tells his own wife, whose hair is falling out, oh, you're fine, women don't go bald. <coughs> like, bro, you just watched her pull out her hair. <laughs> it's okay. Everybody vomits into the fireplace from time to time. <laughs> it's okay. It's normal to have bloody diarrhea occasionally. I mean, wait, we're English wait, after all. <laughs> wait, bloody diarrhea isn't normal? <laughs> I mean, keep in mind, this is 1986. They didn't have Chipotle in London yet. Oh, I was going to say, it's like a weekly occurrence for me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but you eat Chipotle every night. Every other. Okay, okay. Oh, okay, you got me. You sure showed me. Also, Chipotle does not sponsor us, but they could. Yeah. Ch- After, <laughs> Along with Chipotle. Stellar. Chipotle. <laughs> How else are you going to get the blood stains out of your underwear? You shouldn't be shitting blood. <laughs> he just spends the episode hung up on that. But yeah, this movie, it was quite the doozy. Quite the doozy, man. And I'm... It's, I'm ashamed that we didn't get to watch it together. Cause... Yeah, real bummer, but you know how schedules work. Yeah. Yeah, I bet I bet you had quite the re, uh, quite the reactions to this. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, what the fuck am I watching being said throughout this film. And I don't know if it was intentional, but there are several times where it shows like a grain across the screen as if, you know, radiation. And uh, see that, that wasn't something I had noticed. So thank you for bringing that to my attention. And after one of the characters mentions fallout, there's a lot of shots that are zoomed in on them, like touching things or sweeping. 
Hmm. And then of course there's the whole rainwater thing, which they're, they're dead. They're basically already dead after that. Right. Imagine drinking irradiated rainwater. Oh my God. Oh my God. It brings up the question. Would you want to survive a nuclear war? Like, like, I mean, if I was better prepared than them, yes. If things kicked off tomorrow, let's say, would you, would you want to try and survive fallout world? So how much warning do I get? Uh, let's say three hours. Orgy. <laughs> blood orgy, blood orgy. <laughs> well, yeah, that's my answer. Let's hear yours. I, uh, I think I would go with the instant incineration. Do you remember that, um, Simpsons where he reads that bit? Like live every day like it's your last, and then it shows him curled up and crying. <laughs> <laughs> I just do. I think I have the survival abilities to last for a little bit, like a couple weeks or a month or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. But that's going to be a shitty month. Also, I would rather have an instantaneous like incinerated by the bomb death as opposed to the weeks or months of radiation poisoning killing me yeah it'll all go away eventually and and like you said maybe a couple weeks to a couple months maybe even a year but you know hiroshima cleared up pretty quickly but that was just one comparatively small bomb and yeah that's that's not like an entire hemisphere mind you um so you you, have you played fallout i have not uh mostly because i I know myself too well and if i play fallout i will go down a deep deep hole of uh not taking care of myself so no jokes on you i never take care of myself anyway well i think you should but people have pointed out that it's been 200 years since the nuclear war and even dirty nukes, the radiation should have cleared up by then. But then you remember that this particular future basically runs almost entirely on nuclear energy. So there's this fan theory that it's not coming from the bombs themselves. It's coming from shit leaking into the atmosphere and raining, hence hmm. fallout. But yeah, if I had a spot in a decent vault or something, then... Maybe I could survive, just wait it out. But no, the radiation would probably kill me sooner or later if I just try to thug it out and then out in the open. See, I think, well, never mind. You live out in South Dakota where a bunch of missile silos are, so you probably would would get targeted too. And the Oahe Dam, they definitely target that to take out the power grid. So I'm basically already fucked. Yeah, living in Denver, obviously, with it being a major city, that would get wiped off the get wiped off the map. Plus, NORAD's like an hour south of me, so. Really. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're screwed. Hate to say it, buddy, yeah. but. 
Would you would you eat boo for survival? No. Because I, I, I know you do. would I know you wouldn't eat tux. No. Never. Henry. Henry I might eat. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. He's got more meat on his bones. <laughs> I was originally gonna call him steak. <laughs> <laughs> in a desperate bid for survival john killed henry and ate him and then the bombs fell <laughs> <laughs> i didn't get my king supers grocery pickup order <laughs> uh, i was mildly inconvenienced and hungry yeah what else about this movie it was yeah the mixed styles like real time real life 3d 2d the um, part when the bomb's going off and then it cuts to that uh, flashback of their life like getting married and living together that was a little weird but i'm glad it, i'm glad they showed that because then the more then the scene of it breaking hit more yeah, it definitely makes you more vested in them as characters. Like, obviously, this entire film revolves around these two characters over the course of, like, two or three weeks. But, like, having that moment truly kind of solidifies the viewer caring about them. Because before, it's just like, oh, here's two idiots who happen to survive a nuclear blast versus that scene actually, like, humanizes them. And I probably could have done without that one scene where the where Hilda's fantasizing while putting away the laundry. That um didn't need to see that. Yeah, well, I guess it just shows how spacey and head in the clouds she is. But we kind of already gathered that. But the cake is burning. The cake is burning. What did you think about the visual representation of the Russian soldier? Like when they're talking about, if a Russian comes through our front door, am I supposed to kill him? And then it's like just the, it, it is as bad as any piece of, like I thought anyways, it is bad as any like World War II propaganda of like a Japanese or a German soldier where it's like this Russian soldier, soldier is like, eight feet tall like big and burly and and hairy and kind of violent yeah and has like kind of like uh sort of like mongolian features to them for some odd reason i was just i I, like and is wearing a big fur coat and i was like i get we're (laughs) we're like fantasizing the enemy here but this is a little weird i'm like this is the first time i felt a depiction of a russian being problematic in my life i didn't know that was possible which i don't know ivan drago from i will break you i would break you there were like looking back on it there were quite a few problematic portrayals of russians around this time because you know that that thing going on the cold war and we got to make them look as evil and 
ugly as possible because they're the bad guys and we're the awesome based capitalists. Um, pip, pip, cheerio. The government will be by with their pharmacy wagons anytime now. Yep. They've probably got an antidote. Uh, we'll be right, right as, as rain. rain. Yeah. Right as rain. There's even a part in the graphic novel towards the end where he to lift their spirits stands up and dances and sings the song about smiling while blood is flowing from his mouth and he is, his eyes are sunken and sallow i gotta oh, say the, the more depressing side of his uh artistic nature was uh at the end when they're I don't know. It it kind of makes sense from so at the end of the film, you know, they have these paper sacks, and for whatever reason, they have a piece of information that's like, in case of a nuclear attack, jump inside with a paper sack, and it's like, why? It's not going to protect you from radiation, but they believe it does, and it's kind of like you know how you hear about people who are suffering from hyperthermia hypothermia that like start stripping their clothes off yeah, when they're about to die. Undressing yeah and i was like is this what happens when you get radiation poisoning is you just stuff yourself into a paper sack and then lay down and die like so there's kind of a fan theory to this um that i believe i heard something like after she starts pulling her hair out she realizes how fucked they are so she per she's the one that has the idea let's get in our sack sacks again and the reason this is they say is because in those said in said brochures they even have a section on what to do with your dead with your dead what you're supposed to do is use the aforementioned sacks to put the body in and then put like a tag or a sticker on it with the details about the person's life uh, details about the person like their name their address and what they died from specifically and then you're supposed to get that out of your shelter usually outside or just in a room you don't use a lot <clears throat> so hmm. there's a theory that despite the fact she doesn't really seem to know about the brochure she somehow knows about that and she realizes she's fucked but doesn't want to say it out loud so she's like oh let's just get in our sacks Oh. At least they're still they're making they're making jokes about it while they do it too, and he even but he bungles up a prayer, but you know he gets yeah he anyway. he changes well yeah he changes a prayer into the charge of the light brigade or something like that yeah the charge of the light brigade which is worth <laughs> noting because she's that, like please stop that poem that he's reciting. Uh, half a league, half a league, half a league onward into the valley of death, rode the 600. That whole poem is about how blind obedience could get you killed. And what does this, what's this movie about other than blind obedience getting these people killed? Blind faith? Well, misplaced faith. I thought it was about how much of a stupid bitch Hilda was. Get in the shelter, you stupid bitch. <laughs> I will not be talked to this way. Get in the cut. The cake is burning. The cake is burning. The cake is burning. And just how empty everything is. And 
that one part in the movie where they call their son and he's drunk as shit, like laughing and crying and freaking out and just like having a breakdown. That'd and be then me. they're like, and then they're like, oh yeah, he probably got out in time. You know, he's a smart boy. He's fucking dead. <laughs> he's in. No, he went out. No, nah, he went out the way I would have. Just fetal position. Yep, he's he's toast. If if not toast, then just a skid mark on the ground, probably. It's a clever alliteration there. Thank you, man. It, this is a very this is a very British movie. How their first instinct is to make tea. Right. A nice cuppa. Hmm. So I think it's time. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a very refreshing Sprite with a couple of uh, slices of lime because I have to work tomorrow, so I couldn't really indulge in the alcohol. I'm drinking a nice Gatorade Zero. I think very this is tasty. the first episode. I think this is the first episode where we both haven't had alcohol. Not sure. We did have no alcohol that one time we had that guest. Oh yes, that correct. Never mind. Back when we had uh, John from the Tattooed Historian on. Right, <laughs> the other John. <laughs> yeah, arguably the smarter one too, but. But not the more handsome. Sorry. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but also, mm, that's uh, David Bowie in the beginning. Mm, me, gu me gusta. Big Bowie very, fan, are you? See? Very, very nice. Like that song. Hold on, let me... Let me just pull up the um, lyrics to that, because it's very relevant. Lyrics. So long, child. I'm on my way. After all is done, after all is done, don't be down. It's all in the past, though you may be afraid. Oh, oh, oh no. Um, so long, child. It's awful dark, and I've never felt the sun. I daren't think of when, when the wind blows. Life burns a savage wound, angry and wrong. Trusting a twisted word, you'll run, run away. You'll take him home, you'll spit and taunt him. But they won't believe you, no matter what you'll say. So long, child. It's awful dark. Hmm. <laughs> thank you, thank you, bongo noises. Bring that to open mic night, see if anybody catches on. Oh, y'all are y'all are a bunch of flat tires. I did um partially as a joke for uh, there was like this in uh, informal poetry group at USD where I just read uh, Modern Man by George Carlin and they ate ate that shit up. But then I came clean and I admitted I plagiarized it. <laughs> I uh, I remember going to an open mic night uh, at USD once. Uh, for extra credit reasons. And mm -hmm. I remember there was an English professor there that was sharing a piece of poetry. And I was kind of half listening to it. But 
it was it was like a collection of sentences that really didn't have anything to do with each other and then like in the middle of the poem she just said the word bukake just like <laughs> like very emphasized it and i was like fucking what <laughs> and then nothing else in the poem had to do with that word i'm like what why i don't i'm not creative explain this to me for for our listeners bukaki no. is a very famous japanese puzzle where you can't have the repeating numbers in the same row or area oh yeah that's that's what that is yep just just google bukaki <laughs> nothing <puzzles>. else <laughs> Maybe it is something else, but John won't tell me what it is. You're not old enough. Thanks. Ass. <laughs> I think it's uh, about time we we rate this film. What do you think? Of course. Um, God damn it. So I gotta I gotta say I really like this movie. Um, uh, do you want to come up the rate the rating system this time? Yeah, I can do that. Um, I think one to five pamphlets because the the pamphlet is really an unsung hero in this story. It tried. <laughs> yeah, it tried. <laughs> well, they they're so heavily reliant on it, and like so much of the dialogue is derived from the pamphlets, and it also is a symbol of like their trust in the government. So mm-hmm. let's let's do one to five pamphlets. Well, I give this five pamphlets out of flat five. Sorry, okay. I love depressing things. It makes me feel feelings. <laughs> I love depressing things. It makes me so happy. <laughs> Not qu- uh, close enough. Yeah. I would give this. Mm, it's hard. I think I think it is worthy of a five out of five pamphlet, but I think I'll give it four out of five pamphlets just because if you are not the kind of person who like appreciates artsy things or things that are trying to be artsy, then I think a lot of the good aspects of this film are not going to hit you the way that they ought to. Um, so I definitely think the five out of five rating is for a narrow, narrower audience who like the people who would go to Aspen for a film festival, I think would, would rate this as a five <laughs> out of five. I think your average moviegoer, I think this is a four out of five. Okay. Let and us I see. Think, I think I align myself more with the average moviegoer. So therefore I'll go four out of five. Let's see what Rotten Tomatoes says. Wow. Okay. So this is exactly 88% across the board. Hmm. Like critics say 88 and audience says 88. So yeah, I think you're right on the money. I think it's closer to you, but you know, well, five out of I five think I, is I think I think I could give it four 
four pamphlets and then a couple of loose pages that <laughs> fell out four pamphlets and a burnt cake <laughs> <laughs> how many pamphlets equal a burnt cake the, the math is still out on this one i'd say a burnt cake is about half a pamphlet okay but yeah i don't freaking we'll, know man that's right we'll we'll bump it up four pamphlets you and have burnt your cake because you have your cake you just can't eat it and if you do it just tastes like shit depends do you like your food cajun style only seafood. Yeah, fair enough. I don't. I don't eat. I don't eat Cajun cake. Actually, is there a Cajun dessert? Now that I think about it, yeah, probably. Isn't that probably. like beignets? No. Yeah, beignets. Um, what the hell? Hush puppies. Isn't I mean, hush I don't puppies know more like dessert, soul food? Though. What? Isn't hush puppies more like soul food than it is Cajun? Frick, I don't know. I thought it was 20 authentic Cajun desserts. Wow, that's what the hell is that? Cajun cake. Huh. Literally the first thing. Wait a minute. Crushed pineapples in the recipe. Okay. I'd eat that. All right. King well, I think cake. It's... I think it's time to choose our movie for next week and uh what's your pick so for the folks at home i texted jack a couple of days ago and i gave him the choice between iraq or afghanistan for our film choice and he decided with afghanistan so with that being narrowing down our choices I, I went with saudi arabia first but he wouldn't let me no, because that wasn't one of the options I gave you. Okay, I'm treating you like a toddler. You get to choose one of two. You don't get okay. to come up with a bullshit. You don't get to come up with a bullshit third answer. Miranda would okay. have had Saudi Arabia. Yeah, well, she's not on the podcast. Now, <laughs> <is she? laughs> this is bullshit. She told me she wants to come on here as a guest and argue the fact that Legally Blonde is a war movie. See, I was going to marry a woman eventually, and we could have them come on instead of us for the Legally Blonde episode. Well, you let me know whenever that happens, so. Yeah, I'll find I'll find some girl stupid enough someday. You always but do anyway, like you were saying. Uh, yeah, so because we're doing afghanistan i've chosen 2013's lone survivor ah which is about we went to that fam- in theaters together didn't we yes we did we saw it in college yeah uh, for those Mitch. at home who aren't familiar it is a film starring mark Wahlberg and follows a group of navy seals that uh endure a, a last stand battle in the against the taliban so That'll be yeah. next week's film. Or as Mark Wahlberg calls it, Lone Survivor. Yeah, I I think we're going to have to end up talking about the fact that they got Mark Wahlberg to play a guy from Texas. So Yeah. Hmm. A Bostonian. Didn't didn't translate really well if I remember. No. But 
No, I, I do remember. Star power. Yeah, I do remember enjoying the film. So we'll see how it aged. You've read the book, haven't you? Yeah, the the book was actually one of my favorites uh, when I was in high school. Hmm, wish I could read. Yeah, if you could, it would have it'd be a an interesting read for you. <laughs> well, ooh, actually, you want to get Mitch on this if he's available. Yeah, I'm curious what movie he would pick, but absolutely. She, I, I was gonna say have him come and talk about it because he was there with us that when we went to see Lone Survivor. For a second, I thought you were going to say he was there. I'm like, no, he wasn't, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. This happened in 2005. He was in. He was ten, elementary he was like school. Ten or eleven. <laughs> Man, military just keeps recruiting younger and younger these days. Yep. He lied about his age. <laughs> Slipped through the cracks. But yeah, let's. I think that's about yeah. it. Sounds good. Do you have anything else? I do not. Alrighty, well, if you enjoy the show, please leave a review. The stars do matter. If you are looking for some additional content, memes, and whatnot, we are on both Facebook and Instagram at the Armchair Commanders Podcast. We also have a YouTube channel called the History Apprentice Channel. If you don't like the fact that it has a different name, deal with it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've greatly appreciated you guys joining us. If oh, I'll just cut this part out. Until next week, I've been John. And I'm Jack. And we will catch you on the next episode. Bye.